Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. If you think God is your problem, you will be hopeless. Because if God's your problem, then you got a big problem. Okay? See, see, Job said in Job 19, verse 6, he said, God has wronged me and set his net for my capture. That's what Job thought. Job thought that in, in ver- chapter 19, verse 6. He had all this bad stuff happen to him, and he says, God is the source of my problems. Anybody ever meet anybody that thought God was their problem? Anybody? This is a participative part here. You can go ahead and wave at me. Anybody ever? Because I've met a lot of people that really thought, God, why did God do this to me? Okay? Or they might say, a little bit nicer, more religious way of saying it, why did God let this happen to me? Right? Anybody ever heard that one before? See, if we think God is our problem, then we are in big trouble because if God's your problem, you aren't going to beat God. You're just going to have to suffer through it and you're going to have to just hunker down and get through it. But if you understand that God is not your problem, God is your answer. God is not your problem. He's not the source of your pain. God is the source of your answer or your relief. That's that's the, the first principle is that God is not causing your trouble, sickness, fill in the blank, something bad. He is not the source of it. He is not causing it. Remember we went through this last week that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full or have it more abundantly. So we have good God, bad devil, right? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. Every good and perfect gift, okay? Disease is not good nor perfect. It's not from God, did not exist in heaven, does not exist in heaven, did not exist in the Garden of Eden, and will not exist when we go to heaven or in the new heaven and the new earth for the, for the millennia. Will not exist. Sickness will not be there. Why? Because sin... And all the fruits of sin will not be there. So God is not doing this to me is a very first step when you're battling against sickness or battling against really any kind of a challenge that God is your helper. He's your source. He's your comfort. He is not the cause cause of your pain or of your discomfort. 3 John 2, put that up there if you would. This is the next point. Is it up there? There we go. Sorry. I don't have a ball spot, do I? Sorry. <clears throat> Nobody caught that. This is not God's will for me is the next point. And 3 John 2 said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things, be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, there is, that's a conditional statement. Beloved, I wish above all things, which means the writer of 3 John thought it was pretty important because he said, Beloved, I wish above all things above all things, that you would, what? Prosper in all things. Hmm. I mean, it's okay to be prosperous? Yes, it's okay to be prosperous. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper, do well, succeed in all things, and be in health. Just as, uh uh-oh, there's a conditional statement there. Be careful. Of those conditional statements, 
just as your soul prospers. So when I read a statement like that, I say, well, God wants me to prosper in all things, and he wants me to be in health, but it says, just as your soul prospers. Now, that makes a guy like me sit down and go, hmm, if that's the case, it looks like that's a conditional statement. I better figure out how to make my soul prosper, because if I can make my soul prosper, it looks like the rest of me is qualified to prosper also. So first of all, we have to take it one step further back, and we have to realize that God created mankind, humankind, us, people. He created us as three-part beings, right? He is the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's interesting that he also created us three-part beings. Anybody know which three they are? I am a spirit. You are created in the image of God. You are a spirit. That is who you are. You are a spirit created in the image of God. That is what's created in the image of God. That is also what's born again when you make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. That is the thing that's created perfect inside of you when you are born again. It's your spirit man. Your spirit man is what gives life to your body. James says, just as the body is dead without the spirit, so faith is is dead without works. See, your spirit gives your body life. When your spirit leaves your body, your body is dead. Because your spirit is what gives your body its animation. Okay? It's what it gives your body life. Now, I am a spirit. You are a spirit. So, first of all, Say it with me. I am a I have a soul. I tricked you by pointing to my head. But you have a soul. Do you know that animals have souls? Not a soul, in fact, in, in the term that we use in the church or in, in religion that says, oh, I, I'm going to save my soul. No, a soul is defined as your mind, your will, and your emotions. So I am a spirit, I have a mind, I have a will, and I have emotions. Now, I don't know about you, but our dogs, they have a mind. Our dogs have a will, because sometimes they will go outside and sometimes they won't, right? And they have emotions. When I come home, our little black and white dog, Maya is her name. No offense if your kids are named Maya, it's just our dog's name. When I come home, she literally jumps. She's a little dog. She weighs 20, uh, 16 pounds. She's this big. Little, what is she? Maltese and poodle. That's what she is. She's a little fuzzy black and white thing. She jumps. She's a little short thing. But she jumps and she gets this high when I come home. She is happy to see me. Sometimes I think she's the happiest person in the house to see me. But she is happy. Now, my wife is happy to see me. But she doesn't jump as high as Maya does. Okay, my wife jumps high, but not that high. See, that dog is happy, happy, happy to see me. And I have another dog, it's Yorkie. And my Yorkie, he smiles at me. He goes, he bares his teeth and he smiles and he snorts because he's happy to see me. See, even animals have emotions and they have a will and they think and they make decisions, you know, and they, they react. So in that way, we're like animals. We have a mind, a will, and emotions. Now, we have a more developed mind, and hopefully we have a better sense of right and wrong than animals. But 
What's different, what makes us different from animals is the fact that we are a spirit and we are made in the image of God and animals aren't. Animals are just a soul. See, it says God created us a living soul, but then he breathed his spirit within mankind. And Jesus Christ is the life-giving spirit. He made us a life-giving spirit. So you are a spirit, you have a soul, a mind, well, and emotions, and you live in a body. You live in a body. Your body is just your earth suit. You can only keep your body, you can only stay on earth as long as your earth suit is functional. Right? You all get that, right? You can't hang around and live in a house and just float around like Casper. That's, that's Hollywood and Ghostbusters is not real. You can't stay here. You don't become an angel, okay? I know that some people believe that you become an angel when you die. No, you don't. You go to heaven or you go to hell. That's what happens when you die, okay? To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, you either go to heaven or you go to hell. When you die, you do not become an angel. You do not come back as a dog or as a frog or anything else. You, you, you have one shot, Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto man once to die and then judgment. You have one shot at life, only one, make it good, right? They, the kids say now YOLO, you only live once. And that's true, they finally got something right. You only live once, you only do, you don't get a second chance. So because we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body, this verse means something different to us, doesn't it? Because it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. See, you know, you can't hardly separate the spirit and the soul. You can separate the body, that's easy, but it's, it's tough. In fact, Hebrews says that you can't hardly discern between the spirit and the soul. It takes the word of God, which is sharper than a two-edged sword, and discerns between what? The spirit and the soul, the soul and the spirit. The only thing that discerns between the spirit and the soul is the word of God, because the word of God is the only thing that can divide that because it's so melded together and it's hard to even tell where one starts and the other one ends. Okay, your emotions are so tied to everything and it's all so tied together. The word of God is the only thing that discerns between the soul and the spirit, it says in Hebrews. So how do you get your soul to prosper? Because you know, if God wants you to prosper, which it says he does, if he wants you to be in health, which it says he does, he says, just as your soul prospers. So how do we get our soul to prosper? The first way to get your soul to prosper is to put God's word in your heart. You put God's word in your heart. How do you get God's word in your heart? Through your eyes and through your ears and out of your mouth. That's how you get God's word in your heart. That's the number one thing. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus said that to the devil to shut him up, right? when the devil tempted him to make bread out of stones. What's another thing we can do to uh, make our soul prosper? Worship God. Worship is water to your soul. Worship, it says, cleanses the soul. It's a cleansing river. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. What is that? That's praise. 
That's thank, praise and thanksgiving to God. How do you get your soul to prosper? You, you get the word in your heart and you start worshiping God. You start singing. You start making melody in your heart to God. Even if you can't sing good, make a joyful noise for Pete's sake. Okay? Just make a joyful noise. Start singing off key. Nobody cares. God is like a great parent when they hear their kid playing the violin for the first time. And you hear that kid playing the violin, it's like, isn't Johnny good? No, he's terrible. But no, he thinks he's good because he's daddy, right? Y'all understand what I'm saying? So even if we sing off key, God gets a kick out of it and he thinks it's great. So don't worry about, you know, what it sounds like. Just sing, give thanksgiving to God. And uh, I always thought I could sing really good until one of my kids told me I was off key. That was kind of a hurtful thing, but I got over it. What's another way to make your soul prosper? Decide to be thankful. You know, unthankfulness is an insult to God. Complaining and being unthankful is an insult to God. You are insulting to God when you complain and when you're unthankful. You look at how God dealt with the people of Israel when they were unthankful and they complained in the desert. One day he killed like 23,000 of them because they were griping and moaning too much. I'm like, dude, I'm glad for the new covenant. There'd be a whole bunch of people getting killed around here, you know, for complaining. I don't mean here, here. I mean like around the world. What's another thing you can do to make your soul prosper? This is a biggie. This is a really biggie. Everybody listen up close. Forgive. Don't take offense. If you take offense and you hold on forgiveness, it will cause your soul to not prosper because it's like toxic gunk on the inside of you. Unforgiveness is toxic gunk on the inside of you. It will literally cause your soul to not prosper because unforgiveness is also sin because if you want to be forgiven, you have to forgive. So unforgiveness is a big deal. So if you want your soul to prosper, get in the word. Get that word in your heart. Decide that you're going to put the word in your eyes, in your ears, and out your mouth. Decide that you're going to worship God. I mean, worship him when there's no music around. Worship him when nobody else is around. Start singing praise all by yourself going down the road so people think you're a lunatic when you're, when you're in your car, right? Be thankful. Forgive when people hurt you. Forgive when things don't go your way. And focus on God's character. You know, we as humans have been given an incredible gift, an incredible gift above all of God's creation he made us in his image. And one of the things he gave us, which is the biggest gift he can give us as part of his creation, besides Jesus, obviously, is the gift of free will. He gave his creation, his crown of his creation, which is you and you and you and you, us as humans, he gave us the awesome gift of free will. The ability to choose. You know, he didn't give animals that much of an ability to choose. There's so much instinct, they just kind of go by instinct. The geese are starting to fly south right now. You know what? They didn't have a board meeting and take a vote. Who wants to fly south? Who'd rather stay here and die? They didn't say that, okay? They just, something happens and 
Honk, honk, honk. There they go. They fly over my house every day. There they go. Hundreds of them every day go over my house. Thank God they don't poop while they're flying. But they just fly and fly. Nobody tells them. They don't make a decision. They just go. Right? And when it comes to a certain time of the year and those dough go in estrus, those bucks, they don't have a meeting and say, you know what, I'm only going to have one girlfriend this year. No, those bucks find as many doe as they can find all the time. They're just crazy. They get themselves killed hunting for a doe because they're just operating on instinct. Now, some people act like that too, but we're not designed to act that way. Okay, We're designed to actually think and make conscious decisions, not just respond to chemicals in our body like the animals do because we are a spirit. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. God's will is that you prosper in all things and be in health. See, this should settle it once and for all for anybody that wonders, I wonder if it's God's will for me to be well. No, it is God's will for you to be well. Now, I'll have to just preface this or have a little side note. Not everything that happens in the earth is God's will. So it's not automatic. Just because I say it's God's will for you to be well, that's not an automatic thing that you're just automatically going to be well. There's a bunch of factors that come into it. Making your soul prosper is one of them. Eating right's another one. Getting some exercise is another one. Forgiving everybody's another one. But there's all kinds. Staying away from sick people is a good idea, okay? You know, whatever you need to do to take care of yourself, they're all good ideas. God gave you a brain. Use your brain. But it is God's will for you to be healthy and well. I mean, he gave you an autoimmune system, an, 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 like an automatic co-pilot thing that fights off disease. So we know it's God's will for us to be well. The thought that God is somehow teaching you something by giving you some incurable disease is ludicrous. Now, you can learn something, but don't confuse good outcome with source. I mean, you, can, you don't learn anything from the second kick of a mule. That's what my dad always told me, okay? You can learn something from the first kick. Don't stand behind the mule. But the second time, I'm sorry, there's no more to learn. You just got kicked again. <laughs> and you can stand there and you'll get kicked again. I worked in a farm. We used to milk cows. You stayed away from that tail because that tail was nasty when it comes slinging around. Now, nobody ever milked a cow here, did you? I have. Okay, you're a bunch of city folks. All right. The cow's tail usually had really gross stuff on it. It hit you in the back side of the head. So you learn how to manage that tail, you know. You don't learn anything from the second bout with a negative situation, all I'm trying to tell you. You don't learn anything from that. So you learn from what's going on. So if something good happens because a bad thing happened, it does not mean that God sent this bad thing in your life. It simply means that you're a smart person and you learned something from a bad situation. It just means Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. That's all it means. Romans 8, 28 is a terrific, it's one of those key verses in the New Testament all things work together for good for those who are called according to, who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So you just got to have to make a decision that you're going to learn something from every situation and then you don't have to repeat it and go another time around the mountain, right? 
All right. So how does our soul prosper? We set our heart and mind on things of God. We worship. We do all the things I just talked about. You renew your mind. What does it mean to renew your mind? Renewing your mind, simply put, is this. I used to think this. God's word says this. So I'm replacing what I used to think with what the Bible says. And that's what I believe now. That's renewing your mind, as simple as it gets. It's just taking this block of information that was there from either how you learned it, how somebody told it to you, personal experiences, whatever it is, and you say, oh, God's word is different than what I think. Hmm, I wonder who's right. Newsflash, God's right. Um, God's right. So you replace what you think with what God says that's renewing your mind. It's just literally as simple as that. Replacing your thoughts with his thoughts. Because God says in Isaiah, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways are higher than your ways. So as the heavens are above the earth, that's how high his thoughts are above our thoughts. So we replace our thoughts with God's thoughts. That is renewing your mind. Deciding that God's word is more accurate than what I believe or what I've learned or what I've heard or even what I've seen. Because you know what? Here's the bottom line. You say, well, I've prayed for people and they've died. Me too. Does that mean I'm never gonna pray for anybody again because they died the time I prayed for them? No. It just means that I'm gonna pray for people more. Well, what about it? What if they die? And I would say, what if they live? If I don't pray, they're probably surely gonna die, so I think I'm gonna pray. I mean, there's, there's dozens of people who are alive today because people have prayed and believed God and laid hands on them, and they're alive today when they could have been dead or would or should have been dead because God intervened through the actions of other people and through prayer and through the, through the word of God. And I know dozens of people that should have and would have and probably could have been killed but, or, or died. So Jesus is the expression of God's will. So if you want to see God the Father, all you got to do is look at Jesus. John 14, 9 says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. John 14, 24, the word you hear is not mine, but that of my Father. That's what Jesus said. So Jesus healed everyone that came to him. You know, the, the, the 10 lepers that came to him, it's important. I want to just talk about the 10 lepers for a second. The 10 lepers that came to Jesus... They came to him and they, they said, this is Luke chapter 17. It says, there were 10 lepers and they stood afar off and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said, this is interesting. He didn't like, you know, say a bunch of words. He didn't even lay hands on them. I think if I saw a leper, I'd be hard pressed to lay hands on him too. You know, but he didn't, he didn't lay hands on them. He just, he just said to them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. <clears throat> he has told them to do something. Interesting. It takes faith to obey an instruction from God. Okay? It takes faith to, to obey an instruction of God. If God puts it on your heart to do something, and for instance, for these lepers to go to the priest was a severe violation of, Jude, of the Jude, 
Jewish law, okay? It was a severe violation. For Jesus to tell them, go show yourself to the priest, they couldn't even go near people. They were unclean. They had to walk around shouting, unclean, unclean. They had to wear special clothes. They couldn't be around people because they were contagious, okay? And Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And it took faith for them to obey his instructions. It says right here, verse 14, Luke 17, and so it was as they went. So they were, they were obedient. As they went, as they went, what happened? They were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. As they went. Now, a lot of people, some people say, well, I'll believe I'm healed when I see it. Well, those lepers didn't wait because they believed him and they acted upon Jesus' word before they saw anything. And then as they were obeying the instructions of Jesus, the healing manifested. As they were obeying, the healing manifested. And then interesting it says, and one of them, when he saw he was healed, returned with a loud voice glorifying God, fell down at Jesus' feet, gave him thanks, for he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? And then he said to the man, arise, your faith has made you whole. He says he was healed, but then he was made whole, nothing missing, nothing broken. Because later, he gave thanks, and he says, hey, you came back, you're not only healed, you're made whole. Everything's restored. There's nothing missing, nothing broken in you. Now, it took faith for him to obey and go and start that journey to go show himself to the priest. And as he went, he was healed. In my own situation, I was very sick. I told you that last week. I had chronic ulcerative colitis. I had internal bleeding very, very badly. I'd gone to see Dr. Dozeman. They did a sigmoidoscopy. They did a lower GI. They went through all the tests. They said, we don't know how to help you. I was bleeding internally very badly. I was down to 140 pounds. I couldn't eat. Every time I ate, I would have to run to the bathroom, and I would fill up the toilet with blood, literally. It was terrible. I was only 22 years old. And I was like, I don't want to live like this for the rest of my life. I found out later that if you don't take care of this, it's like um, one of the nurses from church here says, oh, really? I worked in that doctor's office. You know, we had people die of what you had. I went, ooh, I didn't know that. She says, oh, yeah, we had people die from what you had. Because she was here and she worked in the very office that I went to. I was like, wow, that's kind of creepy. Not creepy, it's just it's weird that 30 years later, here she is in church. But I was so sick, and I went to church that night on a Friday night. It was Good Friday, and, and I was sitting back far, and I was just worshiping God. I was in terrible pain. I had a terrible headache. I had fever I had because there was all this blood on the inside of me, and I was just sitting there, and I'd, I was close to septic, and I was in very, very bad shape. And he, Pastor Dwayne called for... Someone to come, he said, if you, have heal, if you need healing, just come forward. And I wanted Pastor Dwayne to pray for me. I said, well, if I can get Pastor Dwayne to pray for me, that's a good deal. So I'm standing in Pastor Dwayne's line, because back then we had lines too. This is 30 years ago, thank you very much. We had lines back then too, so don't feel so bad about lines today. There's still lines, there was lines back then. 
I had to stand in line. I was waiting in Pastor Dwayne's line to be prayed for. And this other guy comes over and says, hey, come over. We got room over here. And I'm like, I don't want to go over there. I want to go prayed for by Pastor Dwayne. And he goes, Dwayne can't heal you. Get over here. And I, I kind of thought about it. Well, that's true. He can't. So I guess it's okay. So I went over here. And, I, and the guy praying for me, here's the problem. The guy praying for me had only been saved about six months. And he's going to pray for me. And I knew the guy. And I'm like, hold it. I know you. You shouldn't pray for me. And then I got thinking, oh, this is dumb because they ain't him anyway. It's just the point of contact. So I said, anoint me with oil. So he brought, one of the elders came over, put oil on my forehead, and they, they cursed that thing that was in me, and they laid hands on me, and I didn't feel anything. And I went back to my seat, still had a headache, still had a fever, and I didn't feel a thing when they prayed for me. But I sat in my seat, and I said, Lord, you said the prayer offered in faith will save the sick, John chapter or James chapter 5, I said, you said this prayer offered in faith will save the sick and it will raise him up. I said, I've had the prayer of faith. I've been anointed with oil. I put the word in my heart because I had been home for two weeks because I couldn't work. And all I had done for two weeks is listen to healing scriptures and healing tapes for two weeks straight. So I had loaded up my spirit with the word of God. Okay, that's what I had done for two solid weeks. Just listen to healing scriptures for two solid weeks and then this Friday came. And so I said, God, I've been in your word. I know what to do here. I'm just going to act as if I'm well. So I told my sister, after service was over, I still felt bad. I said, let's go out to eat. And she looked at me. I said, shut up and drive. <laughs> so sorry if that offends you. I, be quiet and drive. Sorry. But um, it was my sister, so I could talk like that, right? But, and I was young, so forgive me. But she took me to a restaurant, and in that restaurant, I ordered my food, and I ate something that would have sent me to the hospital because I ate a club croissant, club croissant sandwich, and I ordered a chocolate shake. That dairy would have just tore me up if I would have ate that in my current condition because I hadn't eaten anything but bouillon and jello for weeks. And I said, I'm well. And I, I wouldn't recommend this to anyone, but for me, this is what I did, and I was young and stupid, and it had actually worked, so it's okay. Um, I think it was young and stupid for those guys to go show themselves to the priest, too, when Jesus told them to. That was irresponsible for them to do that. They exposed all those people to that disease. I can hear all the detractors already. Bottom line is, I went to that restaurant, ordered my food, and even as I was sitting there, I still felt terrible. I mean, I sat like this because light just hurt my eyes so badly. I had such a bad fever and such a bad headache, and I was in so much pain. But I was like, nope, I'm going to eat this food. Almost like I just had this knowing that I just had to eat this food. So but while the nurse, then the nurse, the waitress, she felt like a nurse, the waitress brought my food, set it down in front of me, and as I bowed my head to pray, I said, Father, I thank you for this food. Thank you that it's health to my body and strength to all my members. The power of God came on me and gave me a brand new colon. And I ate that food, and I've never had a symptom since. I've never bled again. I've never had any symptoms. And I don't know about you, but God, I went to the, I went to the doctor and four days later. That was on a Friday Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So four days later, I went to the doctor. He did a sigmoidoscopy, which is they take a, a, they film your entire large intestine and your colon. 
And I'm not going to talk about how they do that, but they do. No fun. But they took a film of my entire large intestine and my colon. You know what they found? He looked at me after the procedure was done, because you're awake during the procedure. He says, I have no explanation. You have a brand new colon. Jesus Christ gave me a brand new colon. Okay? It was Good Friday, 1985. He gave me a brand new colon. It's still working today in 2015. 30 years later, the colon's still working. And I can eat more than bullion and jello. Trust me. Pizza. No, whatever. My point is this. When you get an instruction, you have to obey the instruction if you want good results. I do not tell you to do what I do. This is a disclaimer. Do not do what I did. The only way you can do what I did is if Jesus would tell you exactly the same thing he told me. And I don't know if he's going to do that. You have to listen to God for yourself, not try to repeat what somebody else did. Somebody else tried that. It was the seven sons of Sceva. They tried to cast out demons because they heard Paul cast out demons. They got beat up, stripped naked, and they ran off all beat up. You can't repeat or duplicate what somebody else is told by the Lord to do. It doesn't work that way. He doesn't have grandkids. He doesn't have secondhand information. He wants to talk to you himself. And you need to get instructions from him for, for yourself. And you do that by praying and listening and going to the word and just having your ears open to the Holy Spirit. You can hear his voice. You don't have to hear, you don't have to copy somebody else. You hear God for yourself and do what he tells you to do and not what somebody else did. But I tell you, obeying the word of God, putting the word in, is the way to activate the power of God in your life. And miracles happen. Healings happen. It's a, Jesus healed everyone who came near him. He, came, he healed everyone. It's God's will for you to be well. If you don't believe that it's God's will for you to be well, you can't even begin to believe God for healing because faith begins where the will of God is known. See, if you didn't believe you could be, saved, could be saved, how can you stand up there and say, Lord, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord and I believe you raised him from the dead and I believe I'm saved. If you didn't believe that it was God's will for you to be saved, how could you get saved? You, gotta, you have to understand from Scripture it's God's will for you to be well, and then you can stand on God's word and stand on, on his word in faith and say, it is God's will. I can do this. I can receive what God has for me because faith begins where the will of God is known. See, for those that believe, they must believe. Anybody that comes to God, Hebrews eleven six. put it up there if you would. Hebrews 11:6 6 said, if you come to God, you got to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a good God. He's a good God, and he rewards those that seek him. If we'll just seek him, we'll find him. We've got to just continue to go after it and seek, and, and we will eventually find him because faith is of the heart. See, what God did for me that day wasn't anything unusual. I put the word of God in my heart. I worshiped. I renewed my mind. I forgave everybody. I, and then I acted upon the instruction of Jesus to me. And 
an amazing thing happened in my life. I was healed and made well. Jesus is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't say, ooh, I like you, I don't know about you. He doesn't do that. Anybody who comes to him, he will receive. Anybody. He'll receive for forgiveness. He'll receive for healing. He'll receive whatever you need, he has. That's the bottom line. He's the creator of all things, and he has whatever it is you need. And all we need to do is come to him. But if we come to him, we've got to come in faith, believing that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. We've got to come to him in faith and say, God, I, I, you're a good God. I know this is your will. And then get, get, renew your mind and get, get aggressive about it and, and refuse to believe anything but what God says about you. That's, that's where you start. You have to start with saying, I believe what God says about me, not what I feel, not what I've been told. I believe what God says about me, and God says I'm healed. God says by Jesus' stripes I was healed. And some of you are thinking, yeah, but you don't know my situation. You're correct. I don't know your specific situation, but I knew, I do know that God is a big God. And if you tell God how big your problem is, I would say switch that around and tell your problem how big your God is because that's where it starts. He's a great big God. He is good. He loves you, and he is so powerful. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond everything you can ever imagine. He is so big and so good, and he is so much God, creator of the universe. For more information about Res Life, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about Res Life, or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.